0: Welcome on in to the Wasatch Basketball Podcast. I'm your host CJ Dieters. We're to the conference finals in the NBA playoffs. There's four teams left. The Warriors are playing against the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat are going up against the Celtics. So in today's episode we'll get into how those series are going. We'll talk a little bit about what's happened in the playoffs so far. Um, pretty surprising playoffs and we'll get a little bit into um news around the NBA as far as possible movement uh, during the offseason. Oh, and we'll also talk about uh, the draft lottery that just happened. So the uh, Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat right now are playing uh, against each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. That series is one-to-one. In Game 1, the Miami Heat were without Kyle Lowry. And the Boston Celtics were without Al Horford and Marcus Smart now, I don't think Al Horford is Boston's best player um I think that's Jason Tatum, but I think Al Horford is Boston's most important player um he's that guy where if they don't have him, things just don't run and work the way they're supposed to um he's kind of the glue guy um even though he's you know he's thirty five years old he's still. Just such a, a crazy athlete and has a great length and biggest thing is his just amazing intelligence about basketball he knows where to be when to be there um he knows when to attack when to you know default to the other players um you know we saw in the in the last series against the bucks um you know, Giannis was really getting going and now uh, decided it was time for him to just kind of take over and he put up thirty points in a game. Um, I think he was like the second oldest player to ever score thirty in a in an NBA game. Um so he's just, you know, extremely important to them. Um and so they lost game one. Uh Jimmy Butler went off, had forty one points in game one. Um and I think the Miami Heat end up winning by ten. Game two, Warford and Smart come back, and the Celtics dominated. Uh the score was I believe it was fifteen to eight. Boston called a timeout, and then they went on a twenty two to zero run and ended up winning this game by twenty five points. Um Marcus Smart uh I think went off for twenty six points. Nine rebounds, like 12 assists. Um, Jason Tatum had a great game. Now, I'll tell you, um, my pick to win the finals this year is is now the Celtics. Um, I thought whoever won the series between the Bucs and the Celtics was going to win the NBA finals. And the Celtics, they are they're really good offensively. They have a lot of different weapons that they can go to but their biggest thing is they are incredible defensively. Uh, they play just this suffocating brand of defense where they have so much length and athleticism on the floor. They all are playing, uh, together. You know, they, they rotate really well. There's, they don't leave wide open guys. They, they know where to be, when to be there. They are, they're a scary team. Um, as long as they stay healthy, I think they're still my pick. But this Miami Heat team—they're—they're they're very good, um, especially if Kyle Lowry can get get healthy and get back. You know, Jimmy Butler is a superstar. Uh, Bam Adebayo is a super versatile—you uh, know—center. He can, especially on the defense end, he can play in switching schemes. He can uh, protect the rim. Um, he can guard down in the post. You have a guy like Tyler Tyler Hero coming off the bench um, who can just absolutely light you up and go off for 30 points in, you know, 20 minutes. Um, So very, very good series going on over there. The other series is the Warriors versus the Mavericks. Now, just kind of looking at it, uh, especially after seeing game one, it seems like the Warriors should kind of easily handle this series. But last series, the uh, the Mavericks were down two to nothing to the Suns, and they ended up winning uh, that series in seven games. And the series completely flipped after game two. Um, you know, the the Suns were kind of getting to whatever they wanted to offensively, and then they were stopping most things defensively for the for the Mavericks. Um, Jalen Brunson had a horrible first two games, and then. You know, uh, Jason Kidd made the uh, adjustments that they needed to make. The Mavericks have the personnel they need to be able to make adjustments and be a very versatile team. And we're again, we're able to win in in seven games. And that seventh game, that was that was hard to watch. Uh, just as a pure basketball fan, I'm sure if you're a Mavericks fan, it was awesome. Um, Luka dominated. But the Mavericks as a team completely dominated. Um, they were up by thirty points for most of the game. They were up by forty points for a lot of the game. Um, I mean, it was in Phoenix. The Phoenix, the Phoenix fans were booing the Suns, and this is a Suns team that won sixty-four games this year. They were eight games. They had eight more wins than any other team in the entire NBA. The and they were fully healthy too, you know. Aiton, Paul, Booker, Mikael Bridges, all of them were fully healthy. They didn't. They really had no excuse for why they played this way. But the the Mavericks just suffocated them on the defensive end, and then Luca just went to work on the offensive end, and it was pretty insane. Now, one thing I will say about the the Warriors though is they have. They are loaded with. Long wing defenders, the type of guys that I've been saying that the Jazz should be targeting for like the last like three or four years. Um, you know, right in the starting lineup, you know, they throw Andrew Wiggins on Luca, um, they can also flip uh, Clay Thompson onto him. Um, Draymond can take uh, a few um, possessions here and there against him. Coming off the bench, you have Otto Porter, you have Damian Lee. Um, Juan Toscano Anderson could probably take some time on him. Uh, Jonathan Gaminga, like, and then if Andre Iguodala can get back healthy from his neck injury, um, he's another incredible wing defender. Um, the way Bob Myers has built this, uh, this Warriors team, it's, it's impressive. They, You know, they have their big stars. You know, they have Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And then Andrew Wiggins has also made himself into a very good player in this league. Not a superstar, but a very good player. Um, But around all those guys, he's just put guys that are long, athletic, and want to play defense. And those are the, again, those are the exact same guys that I've been saying that the Jazz need to go out and get. Uh, I think both these series have a really good chance of going at least six games. I think that Heat celtics series is going to go seven, and I'm going to slightly give the edge to the Celtics, but that's going to be an incredible series, Uh, especially if Kyle Lowry can get back. And then that Warriors-Mavericks series, I think it's going to go either five or six games. And I think the Warriors are going to win, but I think the Mavericks are at least going to put up a good a good fight. In game one, they they didn't look very good. Uh, the Warriors were able to shut them down. Uh, you know, and the Warriors' offense is just explosive. Um, they have a lot of different guys that can that can put up you know twenty plus points a game. Um, so my prediction is that the finals will be Warriors versus the Celtics, and then I think the Celtics we'll have a slight edge. Very very slight, but a slight edge over the Warriors and I think it'll be uh Boston Celtics championship this year. Um but all four of these teams, they have the capability to to win a championship this year. Like this is a very good conference finals. These these playoffs in general have been very fun to watch. Like it kind of sucks being a Jazz fan seeing the Jazz go out in round 1. But you know, the Grizzlies versus Timberwolf series was great. Um, the uh, Suns versus Pelicans series was a lot better than what I thought it would be. Um, the Raptors versus Sixers was an intriguing series. Uh, like, this these playoffs in general have been awesome, and I think it's because there's just so much talent in the NBA right now. Um, that even, you know, seven and eight seeds can really put up a fight. Um, You know, they, they may not have the same star level uh as the, the, you know, top couple seeds, but they're, I mean, they're still very talented teams, and even teams that didn't make it into the playoffs are still decent teams. Like, the Clippers are a good team. Now, they didn't have Kawhi. They didn't have Paul George, but they're, even without those two, they're still a very deep team. Um that were, you know, capable of getting into the playoffs and you know winning a game or two against the Suns in that first round series. Um the Cavaliers didn't make it in and they're also, you know, they're a really good defensive team. Um they need more creation on the offensive end, but they're they're a fun team to watch. Um so in general, it's um it's an exciting time to be a uh be a NBA fan because there's so much talent. There's so many young guys that are coming up that are going to be, you know, the next generation, but you still have the guys like like LeBron, like KD. Um, sorry, uh, lost my train of thought there. But like uh, LeBron, uh, Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, uh, Al Horford, they're still these older guys that are still uh, Chris Ball, that are putting up great numbers, that are leading teams. Um, So, yeah, great time to be an NBA fan right now. Um, So let's get to a little bit of news and notes, you know, rumors in the NBA. Um, The Kings hired Mike Brown as their head coach, uh, which... I don't know. Mike Brown's had a few tries as a head coach. I don't. I think he's. I think he can do the job. I don't think he's amazing, uh, but I think he was a solid hire. I think he was a better hire than Mark Jackson. And the biggest reason for that is Mark Jackson's been on TV for what eight years now. Uh, I think if he wants an actual head coaching job again, he needs to go be an assistant at least for a year, be around the game again. Uh, be around the uh, the changes that are actually happening within uh, schemes, because you know he can sit there and watch from afar on uh, you know on the sideline and kind of pick up what's going on, but to really understand it fully, you got to be in the trenches. You got to be part of it, and that's why I think Jason Kidd has become a good head coach now. Um, he was he was a pretty bad head coach um, in. Brooklyn and in Milwaukee, but after getting some time as an assistant working under Frank Vogel, he's become a very, very good coach. Um, The Lakers are still looking for their head coach. Um, It sounds like Kenny Atkinson, Terry Stotts, and um, Darvin Hamm are their finalists right now. Um, And then the Hornets are looking at a lot of the same guys as the Lakers. Um, I know that they've interviewed frank vogel i haven't really heard if they're really considering him but they're also looking at darvin ham they're also looking at uh kenny atkinson um so i i would imagine here pretty soon at least one of those teams is going to name their head coach here pretty soon and then other than that there's no coach openings currently um, there was a belief that maybe the Sixers' job would come open, that the Sixers will let uh, Doc Rivers go, but as but so far, uh, Doc is still with the team. And then there was a lot of thought that Quinn Snyder was going to leave the Jazz. Um, so far, he's still with the team. Now, again, both those situations can change. Um, another team in the league can decide. You know what? There's some good candidates out there. Let's uh, let's make a change. Uh, but for now, it's uh, just those three jobs, and one's been filled by Mike Brown with the Sacramento Kings. Um, one thing that's interesting with the uh, Lakers uh, coaching search is Phil Jackson has been helping a lot with uh, the search for a coach. I, from what I hear, he's been involved in all the interviews, um, and he's been you know trying to help them find their next head coach. And part of that is, I guess Phil Jackson's a big Russell Westbrook fan, and he's been asking all these coaches what they would do um, to make things work better with Russell Westbrook in the roster, which is really interesting because up until you know a few days ago, it seemed like moving Russell Westbrook was like priority number one for the Lakers. Um, so maybe he's, he's still with the Lakers and they, they try a different scheme around him, but I, I would advise against it just because I know the way to have success around LeBron James is to put tons and tons of shooters around him. That's the way it's been his entire career. LeBron is incredible. Um, one of the greatest players of all time. If you want to have the most success, you just need to put guys around him that complement him. You can't have another ball-dominant guy on the floor that also can't shoot. Like That's the reason he and uh, Kyrie Irving work so well together, is Kyrie is an incredible shooter. Um, so I, I don't know what's going to go on there. Um, ben Simmons had surgery on his back, um, so he... Most of this offseason, he's going to be recovering from that. So I don't know what the Nets are thinking. If they're thinking that they're going to want to bring him back next year and hopefully, um, you know, put a team together with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and uh, Ben Simmons, or if they're going to look to send him out uh, over the summer. One thing that I think could be an intriguing possibility. Is you know Anthony Davis has had injury problems with the Lakers. You know they're looking to go in kind of a different direction, uh, build maybe build the team differently around LeBron. What what about putting Kyrie Irving and and LeBron on the same team? So my thought is Nets offer Kyrie Irving straight up for Anthony Davis. Um. You know, Kyrie, LeBron. We know that they can work together, um, and that they've they've had good, great success together. They won a championship. And then, I think it'd just be fun with the Lake with the Nets. You have, base, you know, six eleven Anthony Davis, six eleven Kevin Durant, six eleven Ben Simmons. You know the, you have your uh, centers, basically power forward and point guard there. Uh, or whatever position you want to say Ben Simmons is. Then you got still Seth Curry and jo- Joe Harris around them as shooters. Like I think it would be a, a extremely talented team, but it would be a really fun team to watch as well. Anyway, just kind of throwing that out there. Um, But last thing I want to talk about in today's episode, um, the draft lottery happened. Um, So we know the order of the draft, at least for now. Um, Of course, trades can change all that. The number one pick is the Magic. And in the past, the Magic have been really good at making these picks. Um, They took Shaquille O'Neal. The next year, they got the number one pick again. And they took Chris Webber, but then they traded that to the Warriors for Penny Hardaway. And I think... Like three more first-round picks, uh, which Chris Webber ended up being a Hall of Famer. Uh, Penny Hardaway was on his way to being a Hall of Famer until he just started getting injured a ton. Um, and then years later, they took Dwight Howard, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Also, he was uh, I think he was a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, two, two or three time with uh, with Orlando. Um, you know, it took them all the way to the finals where they ended up losing to the, uh, I believe it was to the the Spurs. I don't think it was the Lake. I think it was the Spurs that they ended up losing to in the finals. Uh, yeah, so the, the uh, Magic have the number one pick. Number two is the re- rebuilding uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, who have just tons and tons of picks coming into the future. Uh, they have two good young pieces in Shea Gilch Gilders- Alexander and Josh Giddy to build around. And then other than that, they can really build this roster the way they however they want to. Um number three is the Houston Rockets. And then number four is the Sacramento Kings. Five is the Pistons. I think six is the Pacers, seven is the Trailblazers, eight is the Pelicans. Uh Yeah, so um, this draft, there's really not a consensus number one. Like, there's no Zion in this draft. There's not a LeBron James, Nancy Davis, um, but there's three guys that are seen as like the three top guys. Um, there's Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, uh, seven foot one, like seven six wingspan, uh, really good defender, uh, very mobile but extremely skinny. I don't think he's 200 pounds. Um, He's going to have to really bulk up in the NBA. And not just like an extra 10, 15 pounds. He's going to need to add like 35, 40 pounds before he can really handle himself as a center in the NBA. But tons of potential there. Um, Yeah, Paulo Banquero out of uh, Duke. It's about 6'10", 200 50, 260 pound, uh, power forward center. Um, He really reminds me of like a bigger Carmelo Anthony or like, you know, Jabari Parker when he came out of Duke. Uh, Now, Jabari Parker was derailed by, I think, three different ACL injuries um, in his career. Well, Bad Caro, just a natural scorer, pretty good rebounder. Uh, not a great defender, but he doesn't get killed on that end. And then finally, Jabari Smith out of Auburn, uh, about 6'10, uh, guy that can score from anywhere. Kind of a, kind of a Kevin Durant type player, but I don't think he'll ever be that high level of a player. Uh, but I think he could probably get to like Richard Lewis, which if you remember Richard Lewis, he was a guy that, you know, average, you know, 20, 21 points a game for most of his career. Uh, decent defender. Uh, just a solid number two or number three option on like, a championship-level team. And then after that, the it's kind of, who do you like? Um, they, there's Jaden Ivey out of Purdue, just extremely athletic point guard. Um, there's Shaden Sharp out of Kentucky, but he never played for Kentucky. Um, he left high school early, um, and it has, is eligible for the draft. So he, we never got to see him play in a, in high school, but a lot of people see him as like this next, you know, Devin Booker, uh, Bradley Beal, Kobe Bryant type player. Um, and then the guy that I really like, and I would probably put as maybe not even number four, I'd probably put him as number number two. I'd probably have Jabari Smith as my number one. And then I'd put Keek uh, this guy, and then I'd put probably Chet and Paulo. Uh, but number two, I would have uh Keegan Murray out of Iowa. You know, six eight, long, athletic. A guy who can score from everywhere. Um, He's a good defender. Um, He's exactly the type of guy you want to bring in. Like, he's that, you know, Jason Tatum, uh, Chris Middleton, uh, Tobias Harris at his best, you know, type player. Um, But I'll get a little bit more into the draft um, as we get closer to the draft. I don't plan on doing a whole bunch of draft stuff this year, just because there's other guys that do draft stuff that are way more informed than I am. Um, so if you really want to know a ton about the draft, you can look into them. But I will end up doing like a like a mock draft here pretty soon. Um, but anyway, uh, that's uh, that's today's episode. What I'm going to start doing here pretty soon with uh, with this side of the podcast with the NBA side. Uh, we'll start going division by division, uh, talking about, uh, each team, how their season went and then look into the future for their, uh, for the off season. Um, but with that, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day and bye.